If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. On the French to the what just happened to my brain? For the where the heck did this just scroll to? Whoa. I can just see your screen like frantically moving in your glasses. Yeah. <laughs> Jump so far. Before the introduction. <laughs> beautiful i am back mostly beautiful face i love your beautiful face welcome back baby hi listeners the long-awaited return of Allie. you guys she's here the moment we've all been waiting for oh i've missed you so much brain is still trying to kill itself but we'll get through it We'll get there. Dear Brain, please get your life together. Thank you very much. The past few days have actually had me wondering if lobotomy was a legitimate choice of fixing this whole thing. (laughs) I decided not so much, but... I'm glad you decided not so much, but interesting that your migraine took you to that place of perhaps a reasonable solution. Yeah, I mean, there's already an ice pick in my eye, so why not a physical one? Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm kissing your face and your eye and your head and all the things because that's so fucking terrible. I'm so sorry. I would take it from you in a heartbeat if I could. Please don't kiss my eye. With your eye closed, not your eyeball, you psycho. Ew. Just terrible imagery. (laughs) Remove the ice pick and then kiss. No, gross. I made it worse. (laughs) Moving on. How have you been? Um, I've been, you know, there's been a lot of fucking shit going on. There's so much. Oh my goodness. But today I got an update on static. Dear listeners, if you haven't noticed, we have had a mascot down and out. If you follow our socials, there's a little thing going on, awareness, whatever, of static situation. At this point of this episode airing, I have no fucking idea where the status of static will be. We're recording this right now, so here's me saying thank you to every single person who has reached out with love and with monetary help and everything. Oh my god. Short of the long, my baby kitten got a really bad UTI and I brought him to the vet. He almost died. We were out of town. It progressed very quickly. We saved him. Don't worry. But then this little fuck stick took off his cone and ripped out his stitches in his catheter and fucked up all of his organs and is such a little fucking shithead. That she loves very, very much. That I am so obsessed with. I am so disgustingly obsessed with. That's why I'm so angry right now. 
because I'm mad that he's not here. Like, I miss him so much that I am filled with rage. It's so real. (laughs) I want him home. I want him healthy. But the news that I got today is better than he ripped out his catheter and stitches. So that's great. Thank God. There's less blood and concern. And that was the update I got today, that there was less blood and less concern. That was as far as we went. (laughs) Yay for less blood and concern. I know. I know. Dear listeners, I'm not laughing because this is funny. I'm laughing because if I wasn't, I'd be crying. This cat is really my life. So this is a big deal. (laughs) He'll be home before you know it and terrorizing all of our recording equipment once more. Bro, for real. And like, Tiny misses him so bad. She tells me every morning that she misses the way he would put her head in between his paws and then lay his head on her head as a pillow. I'm like, okay, but every time he does that, you say he bites your hair. (laughs) And she goes, he does, but I miss it. (laughs) That also is a very you thing to say. Okay. (laughs) I don't know what the fuck is going on in my house. I swear to God, we're all losing our shit, but... Here we are, trucking along. (laughs) Here we are. How was your day today, my dearest darling, love of my life? Uh, well, still with a headache, migraine, fun times, so that pretty much covers my day. (laughs) Nothing else happening. Fun times and migraines. (laughs) Exactly. I went and got drugs for it that cost way too much money because our healthcare system is fucked, so that was fun. Stay tuned, dear listeners. I'm sorry your drugs are stupid expensive. I really am. But I'm glad to hear that there were fun times, parentheses, migraines. Speaking of fun times, well, actually, you know what? First off, what are you drinking today? I am drinking a beverage that I felt was really appropriate for this episode. It's also a shout out to a previous episode beverage. I believe our... Serial killer episode, maybe? Um, The Luau from Terrapin. Oh, yeah, yeah. The one that Nick got us and brought for us that we loved so fucking much. Yeah, I got that again because I fucking am obsessed with the flavor. It's a Pog IPA, which makes me smile, uh, which stands for Passion Fruit Orange Guava IPA. That's the one where there's like a million people on that can, isn't there? There's zero people on this can. No, like makers? Like creators? I don't think so. This is from Terrapin Brewing. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Because there's also like Crunkles. There's also Pinkerton. Yep. I very much remember this from our blooper reel because you also called it Terrapin initially. I did call it Terrapin. Oh, I did do that. Okay. Well, you are right. Yes. But I figured that this would be a good beer for today because it's a luau. And I figured if there was going to be some (laughs) going on. (laughs) Dear listeners, all of that will make sense in a second. (laughs) If there was a luau going on, that would take place at a luau. (laughs) My milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. I knew that. It's better than... There, I did my milkshake moment for you. Nice. What are you drinking over there, Little Miss Migraine? Water. It's delicious. Ooh, on the rocks? Shaken or stirred? 
Uh, no racks. Neither poured from the faucet. And strawed. Excellent choice. Refreshing. <laughs> the drink of migraine goers everywhere. I love a really fine H2O. I'm, I can get down with that. Made by our well and our pond. Thank you. Mm, I love well water. Shout out to anybody who has zero concept of what well water tastes like. Y'all are missing out. Thank you for liking well water because so many people hate it. Oh, I fucking love well water. I was raised on well water, though, so I live in the city, so I have city water. I can taste the difference. Like, it's not that I don't like my water. We drink our water just straight all the time. But at my parents' house, I get off on that water. Like, that water is my favorite water. Like, oh, I can't help it. I don't even know. It's probably all the iron and whatever the fuck else is in it. (laughs) I don't know. I love it, though. All the things. So, dear listeners, because you couldn't see the whole thing that happened when Celeste was explaining a luau, (laughs) I'd love to tell you what today's episode is about. Do tell! Today's episode is about freeing the nipple. Free the nips! Bum, bum, bum! I'm so excited about this episode! Which you guys missed the titty shake during the luau action that Celeste provided. Really good shimmy and a really good shake, and my double D's had something to say about it, okay? That's what Allie's telling you. So this is one I actually noted a while ago that I wanted to do, and I was like, eh, why not? It's hot out. I think it's perfect. I couldn't think of anything more appropriate for summer when fuck bras should be, like, the slogan. I couldn't agree more, especially because even though it's been storming, it has been hotter than Satan's fucking asshole up here lately. It's so humid lately, and everything is just sticky and sweaty and nasty and gross, and yeah, fuck bras. Even when it's not sweaty and nasty and gross, but especially right now, mm mm-mm, mm-mm, no thank you. So, you ready to dive into it? Face first. I knew you were going to say that. Motorboat style. I also knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Literally knew that entire thing was coming. Why do you know me so well? So, my first question was, when was toplessness a thing amongst women in history? I love that question. This is all from Slate.com. Probably around 3,000 years ago, toplessness was extremely common. Women are displayed with exposed breasts in Minoan artwork from 1500 BC. Some historians believe that these ancient women went topless only during religious rituals. Bare-breasted buxom goddesses have been worshipped since the dawn of civilization, but some of the artworks depict everyday activities, suggesting that bare breasts may have been commonplace. Just across the Mediterranean, ancient Egyptian women sported elaborate dresses that could either cover the breasts or leave them exposed, depending on the whim of the designer. Over the next few centuries, however, breasts became strictly private parts. Ancient Athenian women were wearing flowing, multi-layered robes that concealed the shape of the bosom by the middle of the first millennium. B.C. Spartan attire was more risque, exposing the female thigh, but breasts were always covered. I really think about, like, all of the garbs in Game of Thrones, like, from the Sand Snake people. I forget their actual tribe name, but the Sand Snake people, um, help me. My sun, my moon, my love. Oh my god, what are they? Oh my god, I know. I told you know exactly what I'm talking about, though. Oh yeah. Um, all I can think of is Oberyn. I know. Oh fuck. 
Okay, but yes, Oberyn and his people, like, their garbs, their wear, but then also, like, Marjorie Tyrell, she has dresses like that that you're describing. Like, that's just where my brain goes in the fashion sense to what you're specifically talking about with, like, the ancient Athenian women and stuff like that. Is that sort of, like, what you saw while you were looking? Yeah, and I was thinking of, like, the first thing that came to mind when I started researching it was Egyptian hieroglyphics. Ooh, okay, okay. So that was where I had recognized it from history. And then, obviously, this we cover a bit later, but I loved National Geographics as a kid. So seeing ancient, not ancient, seeing tribes and other cultures around the world that didn't cover up, like, very natural, nothing, like, weird or... I didn't even give it a second thought, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. A series of sculptures suggests that even Greek goddesses became more bashful about their breasts during this period. Aphrodite of Sindus, sculpted by Praxiteles of Athens in the 4th century BC, depicts the nude goddess covering her genitals but leaving her bosom exposed. In copycat statues sculpted over the next several centuries, however, the goddess uses her other hand to cover a breast as well. The evolution of these Venus... Pudica sculptures strongly suggest that the ancients had come to feel that modesty required covering the breasts. I thought it was really interesting that literally copycats of the same goddesses eventually became more modest as time went along. I agree. It actually almost tarnishes the integrity of the original statues and sculptures. And I mean, just really sad, I think, that art was impacted in such a way by society and now society is impacted in such a way by art and the two go hand in hand but as just this like constant tug of war more than anything that's really crazy to me yeah definitely and it's ever evolving and it's weird that we went from yeah not prude to super prude in like some areas in some areas but then in other areas we went from super prude to like really not prude like I think about actually you know what just popped into my head I think about like the stereotypical image of a teacher in history has always been very conservative right Mm -hmm. but then I also think about Bubs's comment from our teeth and children episode where he said sometimes teachers present day are dressing the same exact way as the students Mm -hmm. and it's not conservative at all so that's just I think another layer of that interesting tug of war that really is perpetuated in our society and we really focus on the wrong shit to talk about being conservative about yeah definitely so the french aristocracy was the first to challenge the taboo during the 1300s necklines began to plunge and clothing became tighter exposing the shape of the breast agnes sorel the mistress to french king charles the seventh shocked the court by appearing in a painting with one breast fully exposed in the late 1400s. The most provocative ladies of Venice and England are said to have walked the streets bare-breasted in the following century. There are even hints that Queen Elizabeth I herself exposed all or nearly all of her breasts to guests. But the trend was temporary, and the general prohibition on bare breasts in European society was firmly entrenched again by the late 1600s. Why, though? Because dudes are allowed to be shirtless whenever the fuck they want to. And guess what they have? Nipples. Oh, we'll Just get into like that. Us. 
Oh my God. Okay. I'll sit here. I'll wait, but just know I'm already salty about it. So a few additional examples in history. This is from BBC.com. Nell Gwen, who was around from 1650 to 1687, she was an English actress and she was King Charles II's mistress. She was painted nude. And then even Frances Teresa Stewart, the, who was like the court's it girl, was painted with the top so low that her nipples are clearly visible throughout the top or through at the top of the top. You know what I mean. At the top of the top. Yep. They're just playing peekaboo. Where there's a top. I'm with you. Okay. Top side. This fashion trickled down to common women, also portrayed in portraits of the day, often in landscapes. Though the royal court, with its taste for high fashion, was the most extreme version of it. It's interesting to note that in contrast to today, the sight of an ankle was considered vastly more shocking than the sight of a female breast. Oh my goodness. I mean... I love my ankles. My ankles are actually one of my favorite parts of my body, in all honesty. I really love my ankles. But damn. I don't understand it either. (laughs) Why would that be more provocative than any other part of my body? I don't understand. That's really what I'm getting at. Like, they're not that great. Like, I love them, but they're not the sexiest thing that somebody could offer. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's an ankle. It's a joint. It's literally a joint. It's not even like a tender part of your body. (laughs) All the people that have ankle fetishes out there are now offended. I'm sorry, dear ankle fetishers. I I very clearly was nice to mine before I hated on the fact that ankles aren't great. So I really am not that biased. So uh, one of the questions I asked myself during this was, what is it like in other countries or what was it like in other countries? This is primarily from Wikipedia. And I only pulled a few because otherwise this list would have gone on forever. Forever, ever, forever, ever. In some parts of northern India at various times before the Muslim conquest of India, some women did not wear an upper garment. Women and men typically wore an antria on the lower body and were nude from the waist up aside from pieces of jewelry. This was the standard form of dress unless women opted to wear a sari, in which case they covered their upper bodies with a robe. In the Indonesian region, toplessness was the norm among the Dayak, Javanese, and the Balinese people of Indonesia before the introduction of Islam and contact with Western cultures. In, I think it's actually called Havanese and Balinese societies, women had gone topless to work or rest comfortably. Among the Dayak, only big-breasted women or married women with sagging breasts covered their breasts because their breasts interfered with their work. I can deeply relate to my breasts interfering with my work. Have you ever tried to do... Oh. No. Never mind. Dear listeners, have you ever tried to do a push-up with double Ds in the way? It's fucking terrible. I love that you were about to direct that towards me, and I'm just like, (laughs) no, I have not. I do not need to wear a bra. I (laughs) I don't need anything to support. in shame i don't know if you saw me but i did i was like oh i was so excited to have like a boob conversation with you and then i was like shit i forgot oh i'm sorry i love you though and you're so beautiful and so sexy and i just am so in love with you but our boobs are different that's a fact (laughs) that is very very true (laughs) in africa among himba women of northern namibia and hamar of southern ethiopia 
Besides other traditional groups in Africa, the social norm is for women to be bare-breasted. Female toplessness can also constitute an important aspect of indigenous cultural celebrations. For example, in the annual Reed Dance Festival, mature girls between the ages of 16 and 20 dance topless before the Zulu king. Interesting. I don't know if I love that, but I recognize it's a cultural experience, and I find it interesting. I mean, yeah, it's a tradition. Did you tell me an age on these girls? 16 to 20. My statement is contingent on the legal age of adulthood in that country. I get what you're saying, but it's their heritage. And I'm not knocking that at all. I'm totally not. I'm just saying it makes me uncomfortable. That's my feeling. Unless they were adults, unless I knew that, I'd be uncomfortable with that personally. Okay. In the South Pacific, toplessness was common prior to contact with Western missionaries, but is less common today. On the French territory of Moray, toplessness is common. In the Marshall Islands, women were traditionally topless before contact with Western missionaries and still do not sexually objectify female breasts as is common with much of Western society. Okay, but I really thought you were going to say Western mushrooms. <laughs> what? I don't even know what I said. You like stumbled for one millisecond and the words started coming out as meh and I, my brain auto-filled mushroom. <laughs> Western mushrooms. I know. Okay, keep going. I will once I get back to where I was. Oh, excellent. That sounds like a riddle. We just made a riddle together. So my next segment is called Why the Covering Up? This is from Slate.com again. Also, dear Celeste. Yes, Allie. I recently posted our bloopers for May, in which a word is in there called verboden, and you're like, it's a typo. And I was like, mm, I don't think so. It's in this article. You were like, that's not a word. It's here. <laughs> it's a word. Oh, okay. And that blooper reel might be titled or have some content saying, in case you're wondering, verboden is in fact a word. I love your passive-aggressive titling. Thank you. I appreciate you and all you do. <laughs> but we were accurate in the fact that it means forbidden. Oh, fantastic. I'm glad that we were right about something. So it is not entirely clear why bare breasts became verboten in ancient Greece, but some historians think it had to do with the changing roles of women. As the centuries progressed, ancient Athens became an increasingly patriarchal society. Women retreated into the home, rarely emerging in public, and lived under the dominion of their fathers or husbands. Because the breasts had long been a symbol of feminine fertility, it had to be kept from view. Under the influence of the Bible and ancient Greek and Roman traditions, Western women kept their breasts concealed beneath loose-fitting garb for more than a millennium, a.k.a. thanks religion and male-female split roles. Appreciate you. This is from an interview with Florence Williams, who is the author of The Nature Fix and Breasts, and this is from Salon.com. Shout out to Florence. I thought her questioning on this was really interesting. Are these breasts for women and their babies, or sexual selection, as in are they signals for men? Ultimately, I really fall down on let's look at how breasts work and what they are made of. So for me, it made sense that these are naturally selected organs, which is true for mammary glands and every other mammal that we know of. There are no other mammals in which breasts are sexually selected. Stopping there because I never thought about that. 
also never thought about that. Okay, but wait, time out. I need to just understand contextually. What do you mean by sexually selected? Like, as in that's an attribute someone else looks for? Yeah, exactly. Sexually objectified. Okay, so you are saying to me in the animal kingdom, a male lion doesn't give a fuck about a lioness and her titties. He cares about her body and doing what animals do, but it's not a... Am I understanding you correctly? Yep. Okay, cool. So thank you for taking me on that little journey because I don't know if I was the only one who didn't get that or, dear listeners, if that was also for you, thank you for being in my camp. But yeah, that's weird as fuck. And I would have never thought about it that way. But you're totally right. Yeah, because there are other like animals that enjoy sex for pleasure but don't objectify pieces of the body. And I know people are going to argue about the fact that we're a more intelligent species and blah, blah, blah. But the point still stands. Blah, blah, blah. Point does still stand. And I also think that even though people would make the argument that we're the more intelligent species, I would argue that, in fact, we're not. Shout out to our pregnancy episode where we talk about half the animal kingdom being smarter than us. Moving on. Also, there are some really dumb people in our species. (laughs) I mean, I know a few of them very personally. It just makes sense that in our deep evolutionary past, we really needed those extra few percentages of fat, and breasts gave us that place to put that, and really helped gestate and lactate the human infant, which has these unique fat requirements. The mammary gland in the breast in humans is filled with estrogen receptors, and those actually make fat. There's this relationship between fat and estrogen, and where there's estrogen, there's going to tell cells to start storing fat, and as there's more fat, that's going to help make more estrogen. So it's possible that breasts are the result of natural selection, but they also play their part in sexual selection? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that was a question from the interviewer towards Florence, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt at all that a lot of men are really, really attracted to breasts. Also, people are. Not just men. Shout out to anybody. If you don't like breasts, I highly recommend you spend some time with some because they're pretty great. I'm being so serious. Everyone should like breasts. I'm just imagining somebody that doesn't have breasts approaching somebody and being like, (laughs) I was told I need to spend some time with breasts. Can we hang out? I mean, don't be be weird about it, but I mean... Use your manners, you guys. Use consent. Use your best judgment. But really, yeah, spend some time with some because they're really cool. They're really great. I love them. But it could be that the attraction came later or was secondary, and it's never really been satisfactorily proven that all men in all cultures across all times are obsessed with breasts. Another thing I thought was super interesting. Definitely super interesting. I have a thought to that, and then I want to rewind for one second. So the thought to that is super interesting because breasts are definitely played up like the stereotypical thing that men are super, super fucking into, right? Like, as women, we are taught that men are constantly obsessed with our breasts. That's a real thing that as women, we are just taught. And there are certain men who do, in fact, perpetuate that belief without question. But I do think it's interesting that it was called out specifically in that article and that we are talking about it right now that not all dudes gravitate towards breasts. Mm -hmm. Like for some dudes, they're just there. Cool. 
if they're not there, that's fine too. Like it's not a make or break moment. And there are body parts that are make or break moments for those people. Everything is just about preference and why we would shame anybody for their preference equally to why we would ever perpetuate such a blatantly false statement. Both are very confusing to me. Yeah, definitely. That goes for really anything. Like, Definitely. Definitely could. Any sort of physical attraction. Yeah. This is kind of a side tangent, but growing up, I thought I wasn't womanly because I don't have big boobs and I don't have a super curvy body. And I never realized that there are men that aren't looking for those things um, because society does perpetuate that that's what all men want. So. Absolutely. You have a beautiful body and I love your body. On the flip side of that, though, I can tell you as someone who does have junk in the trunk and titties for days, I have fallen victim to the perpetuated stereotype, right? And I I mean, I'm on the other end of that saying that is real and there are people who really only use my body for those things. And that's just as disgusting as you feeling like you're not woman enough because you have them. We as people have to do better for ourselves and for each other. Agreed, 100%. And then my other thing, super fast. I wanted to go back just really quick because I thought it was super, super interesting that you had said that there was a real correlation between estrogen and fat storage for two components. One being, I was really thinking about historically how, I mean, in general, women are smaller than men, right? That's That's an average statistic in whatever that means, whether it's height or weight or whatever. But Women historically have always been more petite than men. Men were far more active than women because they were the hunters. So I really recognize that although women played a very important role in survival, even at that time, they wouldn't have had as many features or functions of their daily lives that would have insulated them in cold conditions. So I am curious if breasts as a fat storage is an evolutionary thing like I would be really curious about that that was one and then two also curious but we're not really super going to get into this on this one I'm just throwing the words out there if that correlation between estrogen and fat storage has anything to do with the extreme side effects of birth control either getting on it or getting off of it very curious about that correlation yeah I could see what you say there as you were saying that too I was thinking Hello, science over here. I believe in evolution in case anybody doubted my beliefs there. Shout out to evolution. The only thing we have to show us what the female form was initially like is sculptures and paintings, drawings from those times, which there's not there's not stuff from the dawn of civilization. Women's breasts are pure fat and well not pure fat, but you know what I mean. They're mostly fat though. Yeah, and that doesn't correlate to structure. You can't tell what the first women initially looked like body-wise. So yeah, that'd be super interesting to go back in time and see that really men and women had much more similar body types than what we're accustomed to today. I really would be curious if they were much more similar. I mean, obviously not at all times, right? Because women would still get pregnant and would still lactate and their breasts would change at that point. Like, I'm confident that women have always had a form of breast tissue, even at their smallest stature, okay? Even back to the very beginning of women. 
But the drasticness of a double D versus a man's pectoral muscle and that difference in structure, I don't know if that's always been prevalent. And I would be really curious about that. Somebody who like actually studies this is like rolling around in their graves right now going, oh my God, make these two stop talking. Real. Some anthropologist somewhere is like, I'm going to kill both of these bitches because they're both idiots. <laughs> and if you're an anthropologist, please find us and tell us how fucking wrong we are. We'd be very grateful for that. Yeah, definitely. So we just learned that religion and societal norms essentially covered the nipples back up. Now comes the free the nipple movement. <gasps> free the nips! So first thing, this actually isn't the first time freeing the nipple became a thing. Except one of the first free movements was when it was guys who wanted to show skin. So I don't know where I got this from because I apparently didn't copy the source. Wow, this is the first time I've done this. You did the thing. You did say I did the thing. I did the thing. I am super sorry to whomever. Oh, no, you know what? This was from, I'm pretty sure this was from Yahoo Lifestyle. So we're just going to go with that. Sorry, guys. Anyways. <laughs> so up until the mid-1930s, it was illegal to publicly flaunt the male nipple in public. Publicly flaunt the male nipple. I honestly can't even imagine what publicly flaunting the male nipple would look like. Could you just imagine some dudes being like, bro, check this out. Check. Check this out. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> they had, like, full leotards, like, for swimwear. Like, shorts all the way up to, like, uh, tank tops. Like a lederhosen. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, I'm so with you. But really, the words flaunting nipple on a man. I Like, when you flaunt something, you really work it, right? That's something that you really are showing off. Like a peacock moment. But you can't. Dudes can't peacock their nipples. Guys, if you want to peacock your nipple, feel free. I give you, I give you all I'm the not saying. <laughs> I'm not saying you shouldn't try. I'm just saying I don't know if that is the thing on men that's like an attribute that really stands out. I mean, I don't even mean that in like a puffy way. You just challenged a bunch of guys at Chippendales. I did, I'm sure. I'm not mad about it. So the first protests actually occurred on Coney Island in the early 1930s where men gathered to fight for the right to swim and sunbathe in shirtless swim trunks. In 1935, another group of male protesters got themselves arrested in Atlantic City for hitting the beach while burying their torsos. In 1936, these men legally gained the right to show their nipples in public, laying the foundation for existing New York state laws that allow women to be topless wherever a man is legally allowed to be. Lena Esco, who wrote, directed, and, star and starred in her film Free the Nipple, born from her 2012 grassroots movement of the same name, started the campaign, obviously, in New York City, where she created the documentary of herself running through the streets of New York topless. As the documentary was being made, she posted teaser clips with the hashtag Free the Nipple. Get it, girl! Way to grab life by the boobs. The film was billed as a comedy, but perhaps best described as an activist how-to guide, tells the story of a group of young women who engaged in public demonstrations of toplessness to call attention to the fact that not only do women continue to be arrested for toplessness despite it being legal in New York, but that women's bodies are subjected to different standards and rules than men. Good for her. I love that. Good for her. Not, not for anything other than 
she's not wrong. That is a double standard. Mm -hmm. And I'm very proud of her for that. Good for her. There are so many laws against women's bodies, and there are so few laws against men's bodies, says Esco. This isn't about the act of going topless. It's paving the way for real conversation to happen, for equality. That's what I appreciate about it more than anything. Mm -hmm. Esco's work to make public breastfeeding not only legal, but comfortable, extends beyond the film. She created a public service announcement called Everybody's Gotta Eat, which helped result in Facebook changing its terms of use to no longer ban photos of breastfeeding mothers. Fuck Facebook for ever banning pictures of breastfeeding mothers. Yeah, so stupid. That shit probably was also changed because Zuckerberg had a baby and his wife was like, bitch, let me put up our pictures. (laughs) I wouldn't put it past him. So when they started filming Free the Nipple, police threatened to shut down production despite female toplessness being legal in New York since 1992 because of the possibility of it being misinterpreted as pornography. Shout out to 1992. Still super confused as to how a bunch of women just standing around topless is pornography, but okay. Because the term pornography is subjective, and because there were some people who were butthurt about seeing some fucking titties, and they just wanted to really ruin everybody's day. That's why a bunch of women standing around with their nipples exposed was considered pornography. There's always a wet blanket. Oh yeah, definitely. And that's actually something I want to discuss later. So then it was like, court cases. Intrigued. And then it was like, court cases. Oh my god, there's too many. There's literally a fuck ton. Oh my god. I gave up. There's too many. So here's me summing up court cases for you. Ready. The main point of them being that for some reason, women's breasts were seen as genitals while men's aren't. Excuse me? Mm Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. What? 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 No, 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 no. Genital is defined by a reproductive organ. Excuse the fuck out of me. My tits don't make shit other than milk and milkshakes, okay? So what the fuck? My tits aren't reproducing shit. That's not a genital organ. Oh my God. People are literally too much. I just can't. I just can't. Yeah, because in a lot of the court cases... A lot of them were lost because literally the definition of nudity that is banned is showing your genitals. And like you said, boobs aren't genitals. So, but it's weird that people lump them into that category in their minds. It makes no sense. So then my thought though is, what about dudes that have boobs that are bigger than mine? Because that's real. Or what about women that are... Exactly. What about women that are flat chested? How much tissue defines offensive? Well, right. And I also, in that same question, would a woman who has a flat chest, are her breasts also considered genital? Like, okay, let's just for one second, let's say a woman and a man, his pecs are the same size as her as her breasts, mm-hmm. right? Structurally. They're the exact same diameter. The, take the little Victoria's Secret measuring tape. You do the thing, same size. Cool. Okay, they're both an A cup. Her breasts, her titties are genitals, even though they're the exact same size as his. And let's even take it to the next level. Let's say that their nipples look almost identical, right? The only way that you know this woman is a woman is because you know she's a fucking woman. That's it. But her breast tissue looks just like this man's. How could you possibly say 
that her breasts are considered a genital when you're literally looking at them on the man's body and then they're just pecs. It's a muscle. It's fat tissue. It's fucking milk ducks. That's all it is, you guys. There's no reason that breasts should be considered differently than pectoral muscles in any stretch. Grow the fuck up. That was exactly all of my feelings about it, too. Thank you for letting me express our joint feelings very angrily on this subject because fuck that shit. I'm so annoyed by that, honestly. That's the dumbest shit I've ever fucking heard. You know some man somewhere who was shot down by a big-breasted woman came up with that fucking philosophy and was like, let's perpetuate this for centuries to come. Oh, that's infuriating. So this next section, here's probably the best dad joke I've ever come up with. Oh, I'm so excited. Here are some titillating facts. That was such a good one. It was so sly. I loved it. High five to you. So this I can assuredly say is from yahoo.com slash lifestyle. Shout out to quoting our sources. In Arizona, a woman can be arrested for indecent exposure if she exposes the areola or a nipple of her breast if someone else is present. Someone else is present? Someone... Just another person? Yeah, just, just any person. Just anyone. Just someone. Someone. So like, what, okay, so my brain went, you're in a dressing room and you're trying on a bra and the dressing room door busts open because dressing room doors are known to malfunct and you're topless and there are people. Can you be arrested? Is that, can that happen? I mean, those are some ones. Yep. That's fucking ridiculous. Also, though, can I tell you that you saying Ariola really made me think of every time we've ever seen Ariola performed, including the last time that Ariola was ever performed live because that happened and we were at that show and it still breaks my heart. In case anyone has no idea what she's talking about, that would be a song by Tech 9 Yeah. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, y'all are missing out. Shout out to Tech 9 Hiking in the forest in the nude is not a violation of the law in Los Angeles, but a woman who exposes her private parts to another person can be found guilty of a misdemeanor for public indecency. Okay, first of all, I just never want to go hiking in the nude. Just that sounds terrible. That I'm not opposed to hiking and I'm not opposed to being in the nude. But hiking in the nude, you guys, that sounds not good. There are bugs, there are sticks, there are places to fall and get hurt. Bad idea. But what the fuck? That is the most hypocritical and idiotic fucking thing. It's not because all of this is hypocritical and idiotic. But, oh, I'm struggling. Ooh, okay, keep going. Please, please, I'm loving this. Delaware women can be arrested if they expose their breasts under circumstances that she knows her conduct will likely cause affront or alarm. Oh, no. I hate people. I just hate people. I just... That one just made me feel like it was a Leave it to Beaver episode. Like, did you hear what Mrs. Robinson did at the pool? I'm really, I align with that deeply. It does feel very, the fact that they said affront or alarm, like, uh, okay, keep going. To quote George Takei, 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 oh my. Thank goodness Hollywood Red Carpets, a place where nipples have been known to make surprise or planned visits, is not in Indiana and Michigan. 
Both states qualify that the showing of the female breast with less than a fully opaque covering of any part of the nipple will find a woman guilty of a crime. So even if the nipple is covered but it's still see-through, it's a crime. Yep. I'm so glad that I never moved to Indiana. (laughs) And Louisiana specifies that female breast nipples... Female's breast nipples! It's just such a (laughs) stupid term to say. I can't say it without thinking how dumb it is. Especially because for men, they're also called nipples. Like you guys, they're sh- it's nipples are nipples are nipples. It doesn't matter who they're on. Stop. In any public place or place open to the public view with the intent of arousing sexual desire or which appeals to prurient, I don't know that word, interest or is patently offensive, can receive three years of jail time for a first time offense and a $2,500 fine. Should you wish to breastfeed your child there, well, be on the lookout. Fuck that shit. Anytime I... This is for our breastfeeding episode, okay? But I'm really going to say this here too. Anytime that feeding your infant human child is illegal is not a state that you should be in. If you are forced to be in that state, it is your responsibility as a human or as a parent to vote correctly. For yourself and your child, if breastfeeding is something that you're interested in doing. Everybody should be entitled to feed their children in whatever that means publicly. Yeah, 100%. No contest. So, where in the states is it legal? Asheville, North Carolina. Austin, Texas. Boulder, Colorado. Columbus, Ohio. Eugene, Oregon. Honolulu, Hawaii. Keene, New Hampshire. New York, New York. Portland, Oregon, Santa Fe, New Mexico, Washington, D.C., and Madison, Wisconsin. Shout out to Madtown. Okay, here's my question, though. You listed cities and states where it's legal. Are you implying that it's only legal in those cities within those states? So, like, we don't live in Madison. Does that mean it's illegal in our area, but it's legal in Madison? Is this a dumb question? No, I don't think so. But here's the thing that I couldn't determine. Okay. Cities and counties have their own ordinances and laws, so I'm pretty sure they can shoot down whatever state's rule, which is why I didn't blanket state anything. Okay, sure, sure. I appreciate that, and I appreciate you entertaining my question. Thank you. But yeah, shout out to Madison. Good for Madtown. So that was all I had for research. I do have like one tiny piece to cover a little bit, but I wanted to have more so just an open discussion because I had some questions Okay, that I was just like thinking about. And my first question was, why is it nipples? Is it too much breast tissue? Is it, I don't understand, like truly I'm asking, is it just because we're women? What is the differentiating factor? Like what is causing this? I'm just so confused. Help me. I think that there's a lot of potential causes. That's not even fair to say. I think that there are a lot of factors that go into it. I really do. I think that it is because, let's start with the most obvious and most generic. It is because we're women. It is because we are the inferior species, according to men, not according to real anything of significance ever. But according to men, historically, women are the inferior species. Species, right? 
And we know that to be true because of the Bible and because of Eve and shout out to our virginity episode being like the worst thing to ever fucking happen on this green fucking earth until Mary came along. And Mary, I'd like to point out, was fully dressed. That woman gave birth to a baby in a manger wearing like 17 layers of fucking clothes. I recognize there's a very stark difference there. There's actually a painting of her uh, with a bare breast feeding Jesus. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. And I have personally never seen Mary in anything other than a full fucking suit. Yeah. So thank you for telling me that. But I think it's I think it is interesting, though, that all of the depictions of Eve are that she's naked. And yes, I know Adam is naked as well. But my point being, she's naked and she's marked as the original sin and her titties are out and she's showing them off. What kind of identifier can we, as a species, put on the original sin to mark their bodies so that we always know, no matter what, how to identify them? Breasts. Mm -hmm. Because seriously, if, if our genitals really are covered, right? Mm -hmm. And you had a woman, let's go back to our woman before who we were talking about who didn't have a ton of breast tissue, who had breasts the same size as a man's pecs. If those two bodies were standing next to each other and both of them had pants on, you would not be able to tell from the neck down if they were a man or a woman. Yeah. That's just a physical structure fact. So really seriously, I recognize that in order to eliminate the mystery of what's in her pants, see if she has tits. That's how we will decide if this human is of original sin or not, or good or bad. Like, that's seriously, I think, a function of it. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, religion plays so much into it. I just don't understand why breasts became so sexualized and, like, I don't understand culture. I think the other place that I was going to go with it is like, let's fast forward progressively. Let's get into patriarchies. Let's get into the man is the head of the household. Let's get into my wife is subservient to thee. Okay. I also recognize, let's go back to the concept of your breasts being like your defining feature as a woman within the species of women, right? Like, your breasts are unique. All women's breasts are unique. And your husband now knows your body. Mm -hmm. I think that part of this is that if another man knew your body in such a way that it could be seen as threatening to your husband. So therefore, thus, women should be covered at all times. Because women are responsible for the thoughts of every single fucking human that they encounter in a day just because we have a body. That's really what I think the other part of it is. I think a good point to that, too, is society needs to separate the sexualization of breasts with them existing. Like Agreed entirely. My point of the National Geographic magazines. I mean, sure, there are probably... People who look at those magazines and get off from them. But I also feel like there's probably some differentiation or separation that occurs in viewing breasts from a tribal perspective versus like the free the nipple movement where it's um, seen as something that's taboo in our culture. 
I really recognize what you're saying and I actually want to take it to the next level because I recognize that there are three types of viewing the nipple, okay? There's the cultural, historical perspective, okay, right? Like the tribes. We're going to stick with that just for that one perspective, okay? There's the free the nipple perspective, which I'm going to align to women's rights, body empowerment, activism, okay? Mm -hmm. So there's the activist approach to nipples. And then thirdly, there's the sexual approach to nipples, which is porn, right? Mm -hmm. And if you are into titties and that's the type of porn that you like, get it. Get some. Love that, okay? Again, if you aren't a fan of breasts, I recommend spending some time with some. If that includes watching some on porn, go for it. But I really recognize that even amongst those three views, every time I listed a perspective, I guarantee you, you got a different visual in your head. Oh, yeah. Because they are presented differently. They're photographed differently or recorded differently or whatever. And that could be said about literally anything. But because we're talking about nipples, I think it's important to really specify that context is important. And to your point, yes, anybody could pick up that magazine, a Nat Geo magazine, and get off to it, okay? Shout out to Step Brothers for the joke about getting off to better home or to good housekeeping. That's a real thing, okay? People are always going to find a way to make their inclinations and proclivities a thing. That's always going to be real. But I really think it's important for the rest of us to take a step back and really look at those different perspectives because if I say tribal activist and porn, you don't picture the same thing. Those things couldn't be synonymous. There's not there's not an image out there that represents all three of those things at the same time. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. So Another thing that I was thinking of, and this is kind of devil's advocate, because Nick and I have actually discussed this, because I don't often wear bras. I don't have to. I have nothing that needs support. I remember the first time we went bra shopping. I do. I remember the first time that we went cute bra shopping, and you were like, I don't need this. And I was like, but it's so cute. (laughs) It's very freeing, but I still have nipples. I still get cold. So that's a reality. So my thought in this and the conversation Nick and I have had is what about cold nipples in public spaces like work or offices or something like that? Why are nipples on women being a thing, even when they're covered, offensive? And who finds it offensive and why? Because the conversation Nick and I had brought to light that honestly, in that sort of setting, I don't think men are finding it offensive. I think women are. And a certain type of women are finding nipples and like office settings offensive. Karens, she's talking to you, just so you know. Yep, dear Karens. But what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think that's correct or wrong or? No, I absolutely think that you are right. And I remember when we talked about this episode months and months and months ago, and you were like, I want to do a free the nipple episode. And I was like, yeah. I remember us having this conversation and specifically it was such an eye-opening conversation for me at the time to hear Nick's perspective being as a man like I don't look at that shit I don't notice that shit I'm not offended by that shit like for him to share that and to meet for me to gain that perspective really made me realize the people who perpetuate that being a problem really are women and I don't understand it. 
I don't get it because that is creating this double-edged sword for the rest of us as a species because we are saying there should be more freedoms to our body. But then at the same time, we're also saying, but not if you're cold, (laughs) not if you're X, not if you're here, not if you're wearing this. Like, that's just so ridiculous and we are creating stringent rules and expectations for ourselves that people can then use against us later like dear women we have to stop doing that shit to each other and to ourselves like stop yeah it's like saying we need more freedoms to our body but not if it offends me no like just get over it they're just boobs they're just nipples (laughs) exactly but not only if it offends me it's not only that though because let's let's use karen for example Karen isn't saying, oh, this offends me. That's not what she's saying. She's saying, this offends the men in my office. Okay, but did you talk to them about that? No, because that would be sexual harassment in the workplace. So I guarantee you didn't take a poll of how many people are offended by your nipples when you're cold, dear Karen. So truly, you're projecting this insecurity and this problem on the rest of the people around you, creating this ideology that everyone is uncomfortable by the idea of a woman having a physical reaction to temperature which causes her nipples to maybe protrude or not like seriously that is a self-fulfilling prophecy for women that we have to get away from because we can't be making that projection on anyone it's only hurting us yeah exactly and i appreciate you going on that journey with me Thank you for taking me on that journey with you, even though, I mean, really, seriously, that was like a year ago. I think we talked about that. And I love that we're here. I love that we're to this point. I love that we're having this conversation. I love your nipples. Like, I I love us. I just love us. I love my nipples, too. There's just so much love happening. <laughs> All nipples are fantastic nipples, which brings me to my next point. Are we going to talk about how many nipples there are in variety and shape? Because I really think that I've narrowed it down to about 6 billion different types of nipples. Well, that kind of ties into this. So I was thinking, would female toplessness help normalize breasts? Like, there is the perfect boob. That's a reality. Like, it's this thing that society has, but it's not the reality for most women and I don't think a lot of people realize that unless they're like hanging out with their girlfriends that they're super close to where they've seen their boobs which isn't the reality for a lot of women and I feel like this could do some really good things in a mental health and body acceptance space and actually in uh, doing the research for this episode obviously I saw a lot of boobs I mean that's just a reality of my life anyway. But were were you mad about it? Were you no. mad about seeing all the boobs? And like the great thing was there's so many great different types of boobs and they're all beautiful and like mm-hmm. And also though, specifically different types of nipples and yeah. so many beautiful nipples. Like I, we need to clarify though because so many people think that if you have great tits that you're just going to automatically have great nipples. Mm-hmm. And Great in any of those contexts are variables, okay? That entirely is subjective and depends on you, the viewer. But I really recognize that there are more people who are insecure about their actual nipples than they are their boobs. Yeah, that's a great point. And yeah, there's a variety of nipples, there's a variety of boob, whatever way you define it. All of them were fantastic. And honestly, 
being a small-chested woman and seeing other small-chested women within this group made me feel fantastic. I was like, hey, I see you, B-cup. You look great. Looking looking good. Why are you doing the one-eye wink? Like, you kept your eye closed. It wasn't just, like, a wink. You kept it closed. Like, you were... That's how that's how I roll. This is why I don't hit on people. You just... <laughs> Dear listeners, Allie didn't even wink. She made the click noise and closed one eye permanently. <laughs> My brain is not fully functional. I'm just going to blame it on that. That's fine. That's so fair. I but on that. the flip side, there's a woman who has what, in like broad-fitting terms, is considered pendulum boobs. Also looked just as fantastic. But not within what's considered the perfect boob realm. I'm like, dude, there's thousands of you in this group. Let's normalize it via this movement. I think that your question is really interesting. And I really actually align with the fact that I do believe that if women could be topless in spaces that it would normalize breast structure, natural breast structure. I really do. And especially as someone who does have two perfect boobs. Dear listeners, please know my two perfect boobs are very different perfect boobs. They are not the same. They are not the same size. They are not the same shape. And yet they're still very amazing. Okay. I recognize that. And that's also a really normal perspective that is not talked about in exactly what you're saying. In breast shape, in breast tissue, in the way that they sit on your chest, like every woman is different. And I really do think that in order to create a more positive environment for women in our bodies, that I don't think topless would be a bad idea. Would I be comfortable to do it? I don't know that. I don't know where I would feel comfortable to be topless in today's world, not because I am not comfortable with my body. Shit, I'm naked all the time. I texted you this morning saying I can totally be butt ass naked, but I have to have underwear on. Did I not say that to you this morning? You did. Exactly. Thank you. So I really would be fine being anywhere naked. But really, my thing is, would other people be fine with me being naked? Like, not even naked. That's not what I'm saying. I shouldn't have said that. But topless, even though shout out to the Naked Club. I really would question, like, would my safety be at risk if I were topless? Mm -hmm. That's what I would worry about in being topless. I don't give a fuck about the judgments. And I would love to be able to empower other women in being topless, but honest to God, I am terrified of some random fucking sick fuck hiding behind some building and waiting for me to walk by to my car. That's why I wouldn't want to be topless. Yeah, I can definitely respect that threat. That's a totally different argument, okay? I don't think that that's necessarily a fair argument to the topless movement. It's not, in fact. That needs to be brought back to our consent episode. We need to be teaching men how to not rape instead of teaching women how to not be raped. But because we don't live in that world, I recognize that women being topless is actually a danger at this exact time. Yeah, I totally get what you mean. I think some clarity is needed too that it's not like women are going to go topless everywhere. We're talking at where men are allowed to go topless as well. The beach. Like places where it's normal, you know? We're not walking into like grocery stores. Without our shirts on. No shirt, no shoes, no service applies to women too, is really what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Here was going to be my question. How often 
are you topless around your son or or your children in general? Like, dear listeners, I'm asking this question to you as well, but right now, because Allie and I are having this conversation, this is something that has been brought to my attention multiple times, and I really don't understand why. So I'm really asking, like, are you topless around Moose sometimes? Oh, yeah. Okay. And does that, I mean, he just is totally fine with that, right? Like, he expects that at this point because you're his mom and that's your body. Oh, yeah, exactly. Plus... If you're unaware, apparently there's a baby in my boobs. <laughs> I was unaware. I was deeply unaware because we've already established that they're not genitals, so I'm not sure how that could happen. I was also very confused, but no. If he asks, use it as a teaching tool to explain to him the differences between himself and myself. Like, it's nothing that should ever be ashamed or hidden. Yeah, I really appreciate that. If he were to ask me, I would reconsider, obviously, because I want to respect his space. Yeah, totally get that. Absolutely. I have had feedback from other people who have shared my space that they think it's weird that I am topless in front of Tiny. Like, I don't understand that. So that's really where my question is coming from, because as a woman with a daughter, I really appreciate that I can walk around my house without a shirt on or without a bra on or whatever. And my kid is super, super fine with it. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't phase her. And yet, I thought it was interesting that it phased someone else to the point of telling me that it did phase my kid. And I was curious if that was either your experience or, dear listeners, if you've had an experience like that. And what that made you feel and your thoughts on that situation, because I think personally, I'm teaching my daughter that it's okay to be comfortable in her body, even though my perfect boobs aren't perfect, even though my belly isn't perfect, even though my butt's not perfect. I still walk around naked as fuck, proud of my body. I want her to do that with her body someday, even if that just means for herself. Why wouldn't we want that for our children? Yeah, bodies are just bodies. And guess what? We all have one. So deal with it. So those were the questions that I had. This little piece, though, I thought was great and really ties well into exactly what we're talking about. So this is from Esco, the director of the Free the Nipple movie. In discussing just what it is that society finds so threatening about nipples, Esco recounted a story about a man who recently told her that if she was going to be topless, he, quote, couldn't help but look at her breasts as sexual things. She told the man, okay, and that's fine, but what if I'm here topless and having dinner with you for five hours or something? At some point, aren't you going to get tired of looking at my boobs? Aren't you going to have to look at my face? The man admitted that, indeed, if he was forced to look at breasts for an extended period of time, he would be able to see the person behind them and not just the idea of sex. Maybe that's just what America needs, Esco size. A big flash of boobies so they can just get over it. I think that that perspective is so fucking valid and so fucking real. And it actually made me just really seriously sit with the validity of the free the nipple movement in general. Like seriously, which I was pro before. Okay, but I'm going to articulate what I just heard you say, which is seriously, you guys, we're perpetuating nipples and breasts being a sexualized thing by hiding them. Because then when when they come out for just a second, it's like, oh, my God, we got to look at them. Mm -hmm. But really, if they were out all the time, like people would get bored and we would move on to bigger and better conversations because there are bigger and better things to talk about than my than my fucking tits. Like, seriously, 
I am so much more than that. So can we move on? Like, I think that her point is amazing and fantastic. And I really appreciated that guy being so forthright in saying like, yes, you're right. Eventually I would get bored and I would have to look at your face. I'm sure that that sucked for him to say. I'm sure it tasted like crow, but he said it. And that is the truth because it is what would happen. People would get bored. We would move on. We would find the next best thing to fucking demonize. And maybe that's belly buttons or collarbones or who the fuck knows what, but it would be something. We would find something else to replace it with. And I think that's an interesting perspective to think about too. I think a great thing that you just made me connect in my head is we used to sexualize ankles. I'm just saying, real. So maybe someday it'll change for boobs too. One can only hope because I'm so sick of spending money on fucking bras. Yeah, it's a fucking racket. Although shout out to like the $12 bras I got from Amazon that are basically training bras that I was like, all right, these are comfy and they are really great under a tank top. So here we go. Get it, girl. So that was what I had. And free the nipple, free the boop, free the free the things, free the tits. All the free, all the tits. I loved this episode. I thought that this was fantastic and so different from the topics that we've had recently. I loved this. I thought that this was so fun. And shout out to Nick for being part of the conception of this topic. I really love that. That really is a big deal to me. Yeah, it was a fun conversation to have because I never thought of it in that manner. And I can totally think of a lot of Karens that would be super offended by cold nips. We know literally like 17 just between the two of us right now. I think that you did fantastic with this episode and thank you so much for your time and effort and I really appreciate that you took one for the team and looked at all of those titties. Thank you. This was pretty great research. (laughs) This might have been my favorite research, I'm just saying. And I'm an ass and legs girl, so that's saying something. It is saying something. It is indeed. Yes. There we go. Sexualizing our own fucking bodies. I... Just had to throw that out there. I'm not mad about it. I'm really not. I'm really not. I don't discriminate. I like white meat and dark meat, but here for all of it. Shout out to all those women too in the research that I did that had the bravery to like go forth and be part yeah. of the movement because that takes a lot of I the only word I can come confidence. Up with is, yeah, I was gonna say gumption, not the good word. Let's go with confidence. Yep, confidence. Gumption is a real word, and it would work in this exact sentence, but it's not my favorite word. <laughs> not my. It's either. not a word I, I want know. to describe women in their breasts. Gumption. You, wow, you've got some great gumption. <laughs> Ew, I hate it. <laughs> oh, yes. Shout out to all of the women who participated in the activism of Free the Nip, but also... All of the women who have been documented for the tribal and cultural perspectives, I really appreciate those perspectives being shared on the internet, whether those women know that they're on the internet or not, because who knows what countries they're from and if they have internet. I'm not, this isn't me being privileged at all. I'm genuinely saying who knows if those women know that they're online. Mm -hmm. So really, even if they don't, this is me telling the universe that I am grateful for those women and their bodies and for them being part of our research today. That means a lot to me. Yeah, same here. And thank you for all of the things. I love you. 
You're welcome. And I love you too. Oh, can I do the things now? I would love for you to do the things now. Dear listeners, if you would like to reach out to us to talk about any of the things that we've discussed today, to tell Allie that she did absolutely fucking amazing with this research, anything, we are here for it. You can reach out, except dick pics. Please don't send us dick pics. I mean, if you want to send us titty pics, you can. I won't be mad about that. But please don't send us dick pics. Thank you. Do we advertise for that or no? <laughs> I love that you're just looking around. <laughs> like you don't know what to say. You're so uncomfortable. <laughs> you're just like. <laughs> I run our Twitter handle. Do what you want. Okay. So don't forget Allie Run. <laughs> Which is Taboos the Pod. It is also Taboos the Pod on Instagram. You can find us at Taboos on Facebook. And in the event that you'd like to reach out to us, or if you have any taboo topics that you'd like to contribute, you can reach us at taboospodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon page. We are an indie podcast, grassroots, word up. We have great stuff up on our Patreon, including some of the bloopers that Allie mentioned earlier, along with some other really great, amazing, wonderful shit, including how Allie and I met, in case anybody's curious, that is up there. I validated that today. Also, just because we haven't in a while, for anybody who doesn't know, we also have merch. If you guys are interested, you can check out our Tee Public page. Our graphic designer, Melissa, makes the cutest fucking shit. It's all up on our website. You can go check that out as well. Yeah, I just really wanted to plug Melissa and our merch because I feel like we don't talk about that enough as I'm wearing a Taboos t-shirt. I agree. She is absolutely amazing. I still cannot get over how our Here It For The Boys logo for the month. Here It For The Boys? Let's hear it for the boys. Yeah, let's hear it for the boys. Let's how hear it for the boys. That looked let's so much like head. Archer for me. It really did. It really did. She killed it. She absolutely did. Did I tell you I saw her last weekend? Yeah. I saw her, and she's the cutest, and I just love her face. Ugh, I love her and her husband so much. We had the be- Oh, yeah, because I sent you the video of Tiny where she was like, I can't see my arms. Yep. <laughs> Do I get to kill somebody yet? Well, that's a really weird no context comment for the listeners. I Dear can't listeners, see my Tiny arms. was playing. <laughs> Tiny was playing virtual reality at Miss Melissa's house, and... She could see her hands on the VR screen, but she couldn't see her arms. And in a panic, she yelled, I can't see my arms. (laughs) And we all died because we're terrible people and it was so funny. None of us told her she still had arms. That's where the terrible people part comes in. It was a good time. It really was. Shout out to Melissa and Tim. Thank you so much for hosting us. We love you so much and we cannot wait to come back and see you and spend time with you and kiss on your faces. And we just love you guys. Thank you for being amazing. It's true. Dear listener, we love you guys too. We really do. I can't get into it as excited as I do for Melissa and Tim because they're VIP. Y'all are just IP. Important people. Love you all so much. I'm also here in this awkward moment. (laughs) We love you. It's true. Very true. And on that, dear listeners, do you be taboos. Oh,
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.